Wait, okay, it's gonna record in three, two, one, now, go. Salutations and welcome to the inaugural podcast for Foreign to Film. Is that our title? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, hello, my name is Wyatt Emerson Hensel. Uh, my lovely co hosts include Al Zerpapada, Tori Smith, Woo! and Cole Floatman. Yay. Also, that is um, not how you pronounce my last name, but I'm just going to let that fly. All right, keep going. So we, this is going to be like a little, it's like a little movie club, right? Where we'll do it, I think, like once a week. And we're going to, the goal is to watch like a foreign language film uh, every week. And then we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it. Um, the inaugural episode is about the 2019 film, I Lost My Body, directed and written by Jeremy Chaplin, Claplin, Claplin. Wait, was, um, it only, was it only done this past year? Yeah, it was yes. nominated it came for an out, Oscar. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature, but lost to Toy Story 4 uh, at the Oscars that were held this February. Remember when like big events could be held? Very exciting <laughs> times. And yeah, you I can find not, it on Netflix if you want to watch it. I, I just did not know that. That was, I didn't know when it came out. <laughs> Yeah, it's a French film. Did you already say that? It's a French yeah, film. I did not. It is a French language <laughs> film, yes. It takes place in Paris primarily. Uh, a little bit of Morocco and some flashbacks. Oh, is that? Was it Morocco? I know nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so just if you're not aware, uh, the sort of synopsis that you can find if you Google it says, a cut-off hand escapes from a dissection lab with one crucial goal, get back to its body. As it scrambles through the pitfalls of Paris, it remembers its life with a young man it was once attached to until they meet Gabriel, or Gabrielle. Oh, God. Gabrielle. So do we want to just do, like, first impressions now? Well, first I want to do an even faster um, synopsis. Here's a synopsis in three words. <laughs> no parents, hand igloo. That was uh, four words, but we'll let it slide. The girl was a big part of the movie. And girl. Just completely... <laughs> Girl igloo. Wasn't a part of the igloo part. It'll be high. Sure. She <laughs> Okay. So uh yeah, let's go around and do first impressions. Let's start with Tori. Tori, what did you think of I Lost My Body? I was confused like the entire time. I just I thought it was very original, but I was very confused. I was thinking and racking my brain and I was like, I don't know where this is supposed to go until towards the end and i was like oh i got it but there you go i i really liked it i didn't get it but i really liked it um it was just a little too abstract for me i think but i enjoyed it a good artisticness cool do you have thoughts i liked it a lot i would say that i liked um it was just really pretty, like, in a lot of points. It felt like a storybook, kind of. Um, I will say that I was, it made me very, very uncomfortable at a lot of points. Um, mostly the, the, the saw bit, but chiefly the bird bit. That was, I've, I've never been so sad. That's it. <laughs> Al, do you... <laughs> I'll go next. So this is my second time watching it. I watched it the first time 
the beginning of the quarantine. I don't know. That feels like seven years ago. It was probably like a month. We should say for posterity, we're in quarantine <laughs> right now uh, during the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. Year one. Um, and <laughs> it, I feel like this is a movie that you have to watch twice. Um, because the first time I was confused, but I didn't think of that as a bad thing. I think I it was a movie that I didn't understand with my brain, but I felt with my heart, if that makes sense. Like I, I couldn't quite place what feeling I was feeling, but I felt like a deep sense of catharsis. See, and I, I think, also felt that, but I don't want to see it again. <laughs> oh, no. I like... I loved watching it the second time because the second time I felt like I could decide what that catharsis meant to me. And I think to me, it felt like a happy ending, I guess, like a satisfying ending um, instead of just like being confused. I guess let's uh, maybe go th- just through the plot a little more. Right. We'll, what did you we think? Just wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. What did I think? What is your impression? <laughs> I didn't like it. I did not like this film. Really? Yeah. I thought the animation was really stark, and I appreciated that. And we should, we should talk about the animation at some point. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it is very unique. I think, I, I thought it was interesting that it leaned into, like, tactile, just as a sense. And, like, just evoking, like, oh, like, that is what it would be like to touch, like, a thing. Because the hand is going on this journey across Paris to get back to its owner, this little boy named Nafel. Nafel? Nafel? I think a recurring theme of this podcast will be us struggling with, with names, um, yes. especially when we get to places maybe a little further afield than France. But so, so he lost his hand. That's kind of how we are introduced at the top of the film, right? Mm-hmm. That he is a boy without a hand. He's like a teenager. And this hand wakes up in, uh, like Al said, this dissection laboratory. And then it starts crawling uh, by itself. And no, but he, he does have a hand at the beginning. Like the, the first thing, beginning? at the very beginning, what you see is a little boy trying to catch a fly. And then the yes, father teaches him how to catch a fly. Which introduces us to the back. Uh, the backstory. Flash. Yeah. I freaking hate that fly. I hate the fly and I will not apologize for my hatred of the fly. The fly is the principal antagonist. I think you could that argue. and the roommate and the song. <laughs> oh, I love the roommate. But like, as soon as like the hand starts going around, it starts like that part is super violent. Like he like grabs onto a bird and it like makes it crush <laughs> its eggs, and then the bird gets its neck snapped. And then yeah, it's so there's attacked by rats. The hand <laughs> is attacked by rats and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all very violent, and then it like calms down, which kind of nice because i was like i can't watch a hand being attacked by rats and birds this whole movie the hand fends itself off with a with a lighter from the rats which is fun yeah but i think specifically with the bird scene to me it just like made me realize how good the animation is because you can tell by the way the hand is sort of hanging and holding onto the bird's neck that it has like heft to it the hand has like weight and you were like animating this thing that is like a severed hand and then you start thinking about it too much and you're like does it have feelings can a hand drown can how does a hand see (laughs) but I, i think the animation 
is so good that you, that you start feeling for this severed thing, you know? I don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) Call me out like that. It's fine. No, 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 no. I think what you think is totally valid. And I think that's very cool that you can see this film and come up with these great emotions and great feelings just based off of this hand that you can, you can feel for the hand. For me, I don't know. I loved the animation. The animation was fantastic and I it was beautiful and I enjoyed it but I just never could feel for the hand I never had a strong emotion or attachment to I mean really this movie on a whole it didn't really make me feel a lot but especially the hand I don't know maybe I just don't have emotions (laughs) see like the more I watched it the more I was just like the hand kind of served the same purpose as his life to me, like, that's just what I saw. But, like, in a short kind of tiny way, like, it started off really violent, like, with his parents' car crash and all that. And then, like, the hand does its own kind of mini leap, like he does at the end with, like, like holds onto an umbrella and stuff. And so I just kind of saw, oh, no, internet bad. It's no, fine. So Sorry. <laughs> Connection's bad. <laughs> Carry on. So you were saying? I just saw Hello. a lot of parallels. So this is a working podcast. Um, we're still working out all the kinks. Um, if you have ideas, call in at 636-281-6916 about uh, anything that we could do. Uh, that's my personal number. Why um, can't you just... Okay. <laughs> okay, let's get into what was everyone's least right. favorite part? I think I voiced my opinion on this already pretty clearly. Um, so I'm going to just pass on this question. The, the dude and the igloo and the girl. And it was just like, my so boy. Should we talk about no. his relationship with... Um, so, okay, Nofal, who is our kind of ostensible protagonist, along with his severed hand, he develops this crush on this girl named Gabrielle. I yeah. Barely um, says her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She, she to me is very kind of manic pixie dream girl. I could see that a little bit. She's yes, like, she's I... like a rougher version of that, but I think she fits into that kind of type. He, she's like the object of his kind of desire, and she, he uh, encounters her initially when he is delivering a pizza because he's a pizza delivery man at the top, or at least like when we meet him, when he still has both hands, right? Mm-hmm. He delivers this pizza. It's raining. He goes up to the little buzzer in this apartment. And this voice just talks to him for a while. And he talks back. And he's having a bad day. You know, he doesn't have a lot of prospects. And so he then proceeds to to kind of stalk this girl a little bit. Finds out where she works. Finds out that her dad has this um, like wood shop. Uncle, sorry. Uncle has this wood shop business. and he he just kind of follows her in and lands this like job at the wood shop which is where he will ultimately lose his hand i think uh i think personally i i read the manic pixie dream girl as the character framing her as that but not that the movie framed her as that yep. i don't think anything about her was i think she was very normal and i think that's why it was so frustrating 
I, I think with like the symbolism of like the fly and the hand and the talk about fate, he was trying to create his own fate with this girl by making her into a manic pixie dream girl. And that wasn't who she was. And Personally, it, that's what I read from it. I think that comes across really with Igloo stuff because when they're talking over the intercom, she just kind of mentions like what she likes to do sometimes. And then he kind of runs with that and like builds this big giant wooden igloo. He like traces it on a window and then he makes a smaller one out of like sugar cubes or something. And he just like mm -hmm. kind of runs away with, he finds a bunch of books on the Arctic and like runs away with this idea <laughs> that like she really loves igloos, but like. If I it, remember correctly, the hand like created the sugar cube igloo. Yeah, mm, the hand created it. It <laughs> could not have fit in that igloo though. There was not a big enough no, for that hand. It was not a large enough igloo. <laughs> I was not a fan of the love story, if you can call it that, on the whole. Although I did feel for Nafel when he had his two hands and he was a delivery driver and like nothing was going right for him. I think that at that point in the movie is where I was most invested. Yeah. And yeah. I really enjoyed that part. It, it was I was kind of holding my breath for him. I was like waiting for things to get better and i really wanted that for him um but the, the girl was not it <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird because okay i guess i don't know the exact timeline but it was really weird because it seemed like he talked to her over the intercom at her place he gets fired or quits you know whatever mm -hmm. and then like the next day or like a couple days later he goes to like find her and you'd think that she would have at least, like, she, because she talked to him for, like, a few hours at her place, like, over the intercom. You'd think she would have recognized his voice or his name, you know? He didn't say his name. Did he not? Oh. I don't think he did. Okay, then that's fair, then. I would try intercoms to also kind of, they screw with your voice a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Because when, when, huh? <laughs> Nothing. Because, like, that at one point he like cuts his finger or something and she fixes it for him, and or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but like, he lies and says that he used to be a sushi, like, he used to work for a sushi place. Yeah, I don't understand the, why he felt the need to lie because he knew it was creepy as fuck. Like, <laughs> well, then he shouldn't have said anything ever. He should have said it was an Either accident, and then he realized later that she was the same girl. That too. Freaking lie. I don't care. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but the whole, oh yeah, I'm a sushi deliverer, and then he springs on her later, I'm a pizza delivery person, and I've been stalking you. It's just, that's just not it. It's not no. But I feel like I've seen that in so many movies and so many rom-coms and it ends up actually being good. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't like movie any of those movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why I don't watch rom-coms. The straights annoy me. But, like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like, I think if you were to go by, like, normal rom-com, like, structure, that should have worked. I'm glad it didn't. And I, that's why I, that, I like that part of the movie, the fact that this movie is so original. And because it's not like 
really it's not like any other movie I've ever seen, which is very refreshing. And I like that a lot because I, I feel like cinema and society is just like coming up with the same story over and over again, but doing it with different characters. So I really like that this was something different. And I'm glad that it didn't work. But I'm sad that it happened in the first place. I straight hot take the whole time. What? I thought the main character was dead. Like I thought like the hand oh. was I don't know if I just missed the first two minutes or so, but like when the hand awakens in the thing, I thought it was off of like a dead body. And I thought <laughs> that he was going to die because of the saw. The first shot, maybe you didn't miss it, but the first shot is a close-up of, if I remember correctly, the first shot is just like a close-up of a severed hand and there's a fly and you can hear the saw and you sort of see a body, the body of the dude, like in the background. Mm. And then you go into the flashback. Maybe that's why you have to watch it two times. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we should talk about what the hand and the fly mean. What what do these things mean? Silence. <laughs> but no one. Gonna... <laughs> All right. I think the so so the fly we should say is the reason that he loses his hand kind of towards the end, right? Right. He after he gets this job from um his kind of ostensible love interest uncle at the wood shop. He works there for a while. Uh, he's at a jigsaw one day. He's kind of working, doing wood things as as you would. And there, then there's, over. yeah. Oh yes, yes. We should talk about the roommates still. Um, and he he there's this fly buzzing around him, which he then proceeds to try and whack. His is it his um, watch necklace? What is it? It gets yeah. caught in the jigsaw. His watch gets caught in the jigsaw. It was and his then, father's watch. Yeah. Mm. And that causes him to lose his hand. So, like, the film, like, in, if we haven't made it clear, has this kind of parallel structure throughout of the hand getting back to him and us leading up to the accident where he would lose his hand. And also cutting to these flashbacks throughout of his childhood. He was an ugly kid. <laughs> But I think the fly has to mean something. I think personally, yeah. I think the fly means like uh, fate. It means like destiny. Like he, he is meant to lose his hand, but he keeps trying to catch the fly. He keeps trying to like catch up with destiny. And the moment he does is when he loses his hand. And fate is just as like random and insignificant as like a fly kind of thing. And I think the hand is also trying to symbolize fate in some way, but I'm not quite sure how. Because there's that moment where the hand comes back to him and the Mufel, oh God, the boy, (laughs) he's like asleep and he like, he's like slouching over and the hand comes close to like where the cut was, but then they don't touch. And I feel like that has to be significant for something. I, okay, so if you're going by the fly is kind of him, like, reaching for his destiny, I think that would definitely work well with his whole 
monologue of you can kind of do something outrageous and unexpected and kind of like screw fate over and be like, now I'm going to do my own thing. And I think him trying to catch the fly was him saying, I'm going to do something outrageous and like jump this crane or catch this fly and make my own destiny. Kind of taking what you're saying the correct way. That's what I'm yes. getting from it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fully sure what it means either. Like I'm grasping at flies here. Uh, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because I think the hand is also, like, coming after him. Like, I think the the hand is also trying to, I don't know. I think by the time he jumps onto the crane, it feels like he has escaped fate. He has escaped something. But I'm not quite sure what it is. Do you think it's, like, that desire to, like, go back to the way things were? But, like, at the last moment, like, when the hand is there but, like, can't reconnect, it's, like, saying, like, oh, but you can have all of this desire and it can feel monumental. It can feel like, you know, this odyssey, like the kind that the hand undertakes, but it's still, it can't like fix things that have been faded, mm. you know? I like yeah. that idea. Or like I trauma, I guess. Like you can't necessarily go back from that. Like once you've undertaken it. Although I will be honest, I'm not a fan of like abstract films <laughs> i i'm i'm honest i don't like a lot of symbolism and sure i just like a good plot just give me and i'm not saying like give me only action films or you know cheesy rom-coms that's not what i'm saying but i can't just sit here i don't know maybe i'm just simple-minded but i can't just sit here and ponder life's nothingness why not i mean like no like honestly like what is uh, like isn't art uh, isn't art supposed to be asking questions like if it's giving you the answers i'm like what's the joy in that i just think i don't think i love you know things that really make you ponder and and really think um but I think there is a such thing as too abstract. And I just like a good storyline. And that is it. Okay, can we mm. talk about what we've been wanting to talk about this entire time? <laughs> sure. Um, okay, so if they were going to make a movie out of this movie, like let's say a live action, let's say Disney does one of <laughs> live action adaptations, mm. mm-hmm. who... who do we want to play the hand? Like, who has... I've heard Denzel has a very crooked pinky, so that would be <laughs> distinctive, but... Are they, are they an actor in a hand suit? Or is it just they're hand modeling? I think they're just hand modeling, but it would be... I mean, it would be nice if we could get, a, a, like, you know, two different actors to play the, you know, Naufel and his hand, but, like, have them be close enough that you can... You also need young Nafel for the flashback. Right. Oh, you yeah. need a separate hand person for, yeah. So that's different. Um, personally, ugly kid. I, <laughs> would, I would cast The Thing from The Addams Family. Yeah. I think, I think that actor is still alive, right? That's a good guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he already has so much experience playing a hand. 
it, is that very... whitewashing though? What? Mm. <laughs> that is a good um, observation. What other so... actors have distinctive hands? <laughs> Did you guys find it compelling as an immigrant story at all? Oh, I think um, it was kind of what Cole you it were saying. Really seemed to focus on it except with his maybe like earlier troubles in terms of like his home life maybe but I I didn't really focus on it throughout the movie which you know it's just like oh he's French Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't think of it as an immigrant story but I do think that that plays a part in him being so out of place everywhere like he he had these like these big dreams of doing stuff and then like he's just like misplaced. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he like, and I think that does, as an immigrant, like I'm an immigrant and I feel like there is a certain level of feeling misplaced. Could the hand be the literal becoming handicapped, like that society (laughs) places on you? Like when you come over? Um... I saw it more as just like uh, being robbed of what your future would have been if you stayed in your in your native country. Um, like this wasn't something I noticed until the second time I watched it, but after um, the car crash and you get that shot of him looking at the, the gravestones, the he, him, and sort of the manifestation of him as an astronaut and musician uh, have their arms and slings their their sort of future or, or something has been changed because of of losing his his parents and him like being moved to a different country like you know what i mean hmm. so the roommate is <laughs> the worst <laughs> the best i want to i want to slap him he has a I great muscle. He does have a... <laughs> God. <laughs> Ugh. Um, uh, I think I just want to say that I, I think a purpose of this, one purpose of this podcast is just like, mm, uh, at least three of us, like, don't know a lot of foreign films. And like, this is a way to sort of like come out of our comfort zones. And I think one difficult thing with, foreign films is like the fear of like not understanding what I'm watching and just like learning to accept that. That's yep. an interesting take. I <laughs> <laughs> I like that take. I'm not disagreeing uh, with you or anything. That was just um, me agreeing with you, Al. Like good job. <laughs> uh, uh one thing that I do wanna uh touch on before we wrap things up. Um I really liked the sounds. Whoever was doing, uh, I don't even know what Like the Foley? Foley, yeah. Whoever was doing the Foley work on just in the beginning with like the hand moving around and just tapping different things and grabbing things. It's been a lot of fun. Good hand sounds. Ooh. Also, Al did point it out that it was very good soundtrack. That? Yes. The soundtrack is amazing. I did enjoy the soundtrack a lot. I'm glad you like something about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Should we have a rating? Should we have a rating system? Yeah. 
for each movie when we're done? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll start. I rate it four out of. I'll let you guess. <laughs> mm. I'll say four out of six. Four out of six. Okay. So we're yeah. going for six now. Okay. Wyatt, what do you think? What's your rating? If we're using the six-point scale, I would probably say a three. Hmm. I would. I would also say a three. Yeah. All of you are upsetting me. <laughs> this is like a five point five out of six. Wow. Um, I mean, Starting I might go maybe four point five, but I might go four, but that's as high as I'm willing to go. Maybe if the Disney version is better. <laughs> oh my god. So no. for next week we're going to be watching uh the film Embrace of the Serpent, which came out in 2015, I believe. You can find it on Amazon Prime, or I'm sure you could pirate it if you don't have Prime. Which we don't um, endorse. Wink. Which we don't endorse. We're just saying it's an option. Ooh. Uh yeah. From foreign to film, I'm Wyatt Hensel, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Boop. Bye. Bye. <laughs>